So, uh, Shurabindra has given us a, among the many wonderful master keys, one of the master key is the word evolution. <clears throat> so, this word exists, of course, in both uh, yogic literature, it also exists in uh, modern Western thought. In yogic literature, the Vedanta speaks about evolution of the human soul. You know, through number of forms. Even Tantra speaks about the 84 lakh yonis through which the soul journeys. So there is a very clear-cut idea of evolution which has always existed. Or in the story of the Savatar, there is the evolution of forms and consciousness. <coughs> so there are seed ideas, but it's a very powerful word which is full of number of possibilities. It can be applied at many things, like from child development to, uh, of course, yoga as we are going to speak about it, many levels to education. Um, but what Shurabinda has done is something very interesting. He has added a prefix and a suffix word to this keyword, one of the keywords. By adding the prefix conscious, he has differentiated evolution as it is understood in the Darwinian sense and given it a new sense altogether. It means that we are not helpless slaves of a natural process which takes aeons and aeons, but we can participate in the evolutionary process. There's something wonderful to know. I can be the master of my house. It's, I think, by using the word conscious, it empowers us. It's a, you know, we talk nowadays of empowering this. And I think one of the ways of empowering anyone is to make them conscious. Because if you are not conscious, we are not empowered. We are always slaves of this or that <coughs> idea force or philosophy, etc. Conscious evolution. And he's also added a word, a suffix to it. And by using this suffix, transformation, he has even given a new sense to the Vedantic idea of evolution. So, you know, evolution existed both in the context of material evolution of forms and evolution existed in terms of evolution of the soul from body to body in the Vedanta and Tantra. But Shurabindo adds a prefix conscious um, evolutionary transformation. So, by using the word transformation, again a word pregnant with many possibilities. He gives it absolutely wonderful new sense that not only the soul evolves, but nature can be changed. The very form can be changed. Form of personality, form of thoughts, form of body, all this can change by a conscious process. So it's something <coughs> wonderful. Now, today, you know, we see two tendencies in human nature and that becomes the ground of this particular uh, talk. Um, one tendency is to look back to the past and pick up the formulas, preserve them and stick to them, to codify it, to define it. This tendency has its purpose because the mind needs to define things. If it doesn't define, doesn't systematize, doesn't codify, it doesn't feel comfortable, you know. It's like in an ocean or sea. That's why they use the word, he is at sea at large, he is in sea at large. Means basically he doesn't know which way to go, where to go, where is east, north, south, everything you are disoriented. 
people feel that sometimes when they read Shurbindu's writings, it's so vast. On the other hand, tendency to codify and systematize too strictly becomes counterproductive because it doesn't allow for the variation in human nature. Simple example, you know, which also should be corrective. Yesterday I was watching the play, wonderful play, everybody put in nice effort. But when it came to Sherbindo's instruction from Yogi Bhaskar Lele, that's not what Bhaskar Lele told Sherbindo that, you know, sit in Padmasana and, you know, do this, breathe in, breathe out, throw away negativity, nothing. He simply said, you sit and watch your thoughts. And he says, yes, he could see the thoughts coming and he pushed them away. Now, this sitting in Padmasana and keeping the spine erect is codifying and systematizing it too strictly, formulating it in a way. So, if somebody, it, the logical conclusion will be, what if I can't sit in Padmasana? Okay, sit in Sukhasana. What if I have a joint problem? Am I deprived of the yoga? No, I am not deprived of the yoga. Yoga is never deprived. Man is never deprived of yoga. So, what do I do now? We can still practice if we understand the essence of it. So, strictly defining and codifying it, systematizing it, that these are the steps. For instance, you know, nowadays there is much talk of Patanjali. It's unfortunate that most of the people, (coughs) when they think of yoga, even in the Indian context, we immediately talk about Patanjali's yoga sutras and system. It is one system among many. It's a wonderful thing to codify, done it. But human beings evolve. (coughs) And as they evolve, they must bring in new methods, new ways, new processes. It's fine, I can take it. Yeah, I think it will just go away. So, thank you. So, uh, this is one tendency. And there is another tendency in human nature, which also has its justification. And that we see in children today. When you very strictly formulate something, there is a tendency to break away from it. And discover a new ground, a fresh ground. A creative impulsion. The infinite Shakti says, no, you can't bind me. That's how I look at it. That when you bind her very tightly, with fixed methods and processes, she says, I don't take it. I am infinite. Don't turn me into something which is small, limited, finite. Don't crystallize me with a strict formula in the mind. You know, sometime back people would, how did they uh, think of a holy man or a spiritual man? The two are not necessarily the same. <coughs> but by the dress, wasn't so Dutch. Anybody wears a Girva Vastra is a holy person. Today, Girva Vastra has become almost a sign of just stay away. You know, we don't know what kind of fellow he is. It's changed. So what is the marker? Marker is inside. Sri Krishna spoke of this long back. That don't be deceived by appearances. All yoga and science starts with this. Don't be deceived by appearances. Yet, because of the codification of the dress, we almost started deifying the dress. And it became a danger to evolution. So infinite Shakti has broken that norm. So now today, yogis walk in, you know, jeans, pant and kurta. Why not? You, it, it has nothing to do with the dress you wear. So this tendency brings a new impetus. And now because we have defined things, there is a tendency again to look at them as, as if they are all standing at the same level. 
this way we again take away the variation and the beauty of you know creation so if we really look how yoga itself has evolved it's not just you know as man evolves yoga evolves so how does it evolve if we look at we'll take two perspectives one is hatha yoga is one of the most ancient if you go back you won't even know when the roots are if you, <coughs> if you search in wikipedia you will see they will define hatha yoga describe hatha yoga as something which was made popular in the west by uh, bk sanger that's the roots <laughs> but if you go into indian literature you will see that ravana or even before hiranyakashyap hiranyaksha they practiced hatha yoga so you will read it in the literature that for hours and days they would stand on what one foot no dhruv he sat in a posture and sat and sat and sat original hatha yoga because you are working with the body man was primarily body conscious it's the early stages of evolution he is conscious of the body and yet there is an impulsion to discover the divine energy or the divine force or the divine if you like so he is pushing through the body where is it where is it and in the process so many ways techniques methods you know true hatha yoga people practice for 8 it hours a day is somebody in bangalore who practices surya namaskar thousand times now it's okay when you know man is leading a life in the forest no whatsapp to distract and no <coughs> he is not conscious of many things inside there is the body and things immediately concerning the body so hatha yoga works wonderfully i'm talking of the original hatha yoga not what we practice today that you know 10 minutes uh, which many of us do i do in the morning this is more of a like shaping the body or you know just stretching yourself which we should not use the word hatha yoga you know they are exercises which is okay but hatha yoga where you literally hut force upon the body to liberate the divine energy which is locked inside it so not easy when you work just with the body but this is okay as 10 15 20 minutes half an hour depending on each one's time and shraddha and beyond it's very difficult to you know afford time then it evolved further man became more conscious of something more subjective inside and we have raj yoga which is more of a psychophysical technique you have breath as well as you have working on the mind now raj yoga takes hatha yoga within its fold so you have the asanas which are part of it but not emphasized as in hatha yoga they are they occupy a subordinate place but primarily <coughs> we use breath and the mind and find ways and means of concentrating and controlling the mental energy and the gains the method is that by a process of intense concentration you release the divine energy which is within the psychophysical apparatus so it's it's uh, you know again many hours of concentration true raj yogi is not again what we practice is raj yoga but raj yoga original raj yoga which uh, the some of the great kings of the past shubindu uses the word uh, yoga of the great lemurian kings he speaks of this ancient yoga which atlantis kings did and lemurian kings did and they were practicing these yogas through which they could release tremendous and tremendous powers which they thought to be the divine ultimate divine but the sense of divine also you know changes in hatha yoga you again gain certain powers over the body 
वी ऑल नो अबाउट इट लगीमा महिमा गरिमा अनिमा एटसेट्रा देन बाई राज योगा यू हैव अदर काइंड्स ऑफ पावर्स विच आर रिलीज प्राकाम्य एंड यू नो वेरियस अदर अष्ट सिद्धिज एज वी नो एंड दे आर मिस्टेकन फॉर द डिवाइन बिकॉज दे आर समथिंग मोर देन वॉट एवर माइंड कैन नॉर्मली फंक्शन सो इट्स टेकन टू बी द डिवाइन देन मैन बिकम्स लिट मोर सटल एंड हैज ई बिकम्स लिट मोर सटल मोर मेंटलाइज मोर सब्जेक्टिव सो योगा ऑल्सो चेंजेज इट्स वे यू हैव द योगा भक्ति भक्ति कम्स मच लेटर बट योगा विच इज ज्ञान योगा यू हैव कर्म योगा या भक्ति योगा देर ऑल्सो यू सी एन इवोल्यूशन ए ग्रेडेशन वी सी द सीड्स इन द वेदास फॉर एग्जाम्पल यू हैव थ्री वेदास और फोर वेदास अथर वेदा केम लेटर ऑन विच डील्स मोर विद अकल्टिज्म बट रिग वेदास विच आर प्राइमरीली अबाउट एस्पिरेशन फॉर नॉलेज and we see samveda songs which are primarily seeds of bhakti and yajurveda karma sacrifice primarily about works but in a seed form but it takes a long road if you read the ways of the vedic rishis what was the route they were taking they were going step by step one god from one god to another god another god to third god zigzag of the gods and each god would help you to go to another level but beyond it there will be an obstruction so sometimes the rishi will pray to a god another time he will say remove this obstruction you know shivindo <coughs> in one of his aphorisms speaks about it he invokes all the gods one by one and to each god is function and then at the end he says liberate me from these gods o kali because they themselves become an obstruction and this is very wonderful you know what applies at one stage need not apply it another stage this is the other aspect of yoga which we'll come to a little later but we have these processes in the vedas and what was the method they were following well they were having the fire lit and you know now can we practice it today it's very difficult to do that you know to light up an actual fire uh, and recite all the mantras with accuracy and bring down the gods and their energies so the upanishadic rishis already you know vedas were entering into a state of karmakand yajurveda particularly you know the youngest of the one they people started turning it into a outer ritualistic tendency so came the great age of the upanishads so upanishads broke free from the gods this is nothing doing we don't need the supreme is inside that golden purusha you know as the mandukya upanishad puts it and they started finding a way to directly come in contact with the supreme look at the evolution of the and primarily through an intense process of concentration and gyana but it's not what traditionally you will find in the gyan yoga but constantly they are that like for instance ken upanishad constantly reminds us yan mansana manute yena hormano matang tadeva brahmantam vidhi nedam yadidam upasate not this not this that is the brahman or Isha Upanishad, which goes to next level, let's say that too, this too, this too, that too. It's the one which expresses himself in countless ways. Atme va bhud vijanata. So we see that there is an evolution, various ways they are trying to directly come in contact. You don't find much mention of the gods. All the gods, Indra, Vayu, Agni, a little bit mention is there. For instance, Agni and Supatara, but they begin to become more and more psychological. They are not assuming that form. as in the vedas so 
it's not that they were inferior superior it's just that mankind evolved so it found new ways so shri krishna comes and he says this is fine but not everybody is uh, intellectually oriented to not just intellectually oriented but has a subtle intelligence to practice the yoga of the upanishad so what does he do he opens a wide path the path of works and brings the waves of bhakti see before shri krishna's advent you will find as i said seeds references but you don't really find that touch of bhakti now this bhakti comes with shri krishna primarily and it's so wonderful imagine you know if shri krishna said no no i am going to stick to the formulas of the past mankind will be deprived of this beautiful simple straight direct path <coughs> so much so that he culminates the entire yoga of the gita by giving that master mantra that forget about methods processes all these things just remember one thing man mana bhav mad bhakta madhyaji ma namaskuru just be my minded become my minded my lover my devotee and then he says sarva dharman parityajya mamekam sharanam raja aham tva sarva papebhyo mukshishyami ma sucha what a powerful you know so he gives a totally new sense to yoga what is that new sense which appears first time in the gita in bold relief it's hinted in the vedas that i do the yoga you see it's very it changes the whole perspective up till now man does yoga he has to find discover god or the being or a state of consciousness or an energy poor man you know everything is left to him and what does krishna say i am doing the yoga i gave the yoga to vivaswan from vivaswan son to manu of the then ikshvaku dynasty and then i am giving you today so who is the master he changes all the parameters and uh, you know he, he brings that i am doing yoga so what do you do you just consent do sahaya yoga so you see how it changes and the whole thing has evolved imagine if krishna didn't come so <laughs> we would all be you know trying hard just to concentrate but now this so much yoga became simpler at the same time he brings a new thought in yoga which is not there in the conception of avatar that divine descends in humanity takes a human form in those just you know four verses in chapter 4 or rather two terse verses <coughs> where he brings that you know yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata abhyutthanam dharmasya tadatman shajame you don't find this thought now humanity has accepted the gita but at, i'm sure at that point of time there must have been tremendous resistance people would have said you are doing blasphemy it's not written in the upanishads it's not there in the vedas isn't it it would have been very difficult for shri krishna anyways is misunderstood <laughs> so <laughs> add to this is giving something which is not there in the vedas or the upanishads now the reason why i'm saying is today we have accepted all these thoughts but think about the challenge he is a revolutionary shri krishna is a revolutionary then we find another interesting revolutionary who gave a totally new sense to yoga buddha he broke free all the trappings into which you know and he just brought forward the seeking he said forget about all this 
You don't have to do all this, you know, external rituals or believe in all these systems, theories, philosophies. You don't even have to believe whether God exists or doesn't exist. You seek. Seek what? A way out of this suffering. Extremely practical. Issue is, issue is this, that we are stuck in this world, which is Dukkha. That's how he put it. So you have to find a way out. Very good, very effective, very powerful yoga. So read some of the sutra. And it's a Buddhist yoga. That too Indian thought has assimilated. But you see it comes much later. And if we don't see the evolutionary part, we will think, oh it is in contradiction. Some people say, he is an Atmavad and he is not Vedvadi. But it's not true. Buddha gave a new sense to the yogic impulsion in man. That you don't have to create or erect a belief system necessarily to practice yoga. You have to just follow a path of self-discipline and be sincere in that. It's all that is required. You don't need a structure, external framework of the mind or definition of God, what he is, what he is not. Follow this and thou shalt attain. So beautiful. Simultaneously we see other places also this is going on. We have the Mohammedan yoga which you know takes the path of Sufism under contact and then we have the Christian yoga which is you know by the birth of Christ and he, he says I am the path and I am the way. So we see that there is a constant evolution going on in the whole yogic world and why this is happening because man is evolving by the touch of each of these divine descents. Now what happens later on there are two tendencies as I said one is they crystallize and by crystallizing they fossilize. How do they fossilize? They turn Christian yoga into Christianity. Finished. They install Christ into a church and rather than in the temple of the heart and a way to find that love which he embodies. Or you turn Muslim, uh, Mohammedan yoga into a very rigid, strict doctrine and finish the whole thing. This tendency we see even in India. But in India there has been a saving grace because we have accepted this evolutionary process. Therefore, why India escaped this tendency towards over-crystallization into religious forms? For two reasons. One, we accepted multiplicity of approaches right from beginning. Ekam Sadvipra Bahuda Vadanti. So it, it's a saving grace. Second, we accepted that the word of a master is always greater than whatever a book may write. And the Gita also says, Sabda Brahmati Vartate. Whatever may have been written in the book, if the master says, that's it. End of the story. Because it always gave that importance to a living realization. So it escaped that tendency towards a fossilization or crystallization. With mother's you know, wonderful experiences and how masters have their way of breaking our mental formations. So we have the story of Rishabh Chanji, which I love to recount. He was a Jain from, you know, by birth. And he came to Ashram and an extremely erudite scholar, very intelligent man, one of the best books, The Life of Sri is life unique. He has written about the pre-Pondicherry period. And if somebody wants to know Sri life before coming to Pondicherry, even there is a chapter about Pondicherry, but in brief, then that is the book. Wonderful book. A very exhaustive, detailed, scholarly, but very inspiring also. So Rishabh Chand, when he came, <coughs> he asked for work. So yesterday we were saying Sri again came and he broke many traditional parameters. And people started asking him, Sir, uh, this is not written here or 
it's not written there. And Shubhindu says that many persons in the past have done the same mistake if finding something new is, uh, you know, blasphemous. And he, he gives the example of Swami Vivekananda when someone asked him that uh, you are saying this but Shankara doesn't say so. So Vivekananda said, but I Vivekananda say so. Now this is because he is basing himself on an experience and a realization which possibly X or Y may not have had because it's a field of infinite. That's the beauty of yoga. You don't have an end point. By putting an end point, <coughs> we rob of the mystery and the wonder of the infinite who reveals to us in countless ways. But that a little later. So, you know, Rishabh Chand came and he was given the work of working in the furniture department. So he was very happy. He wrote a letter. I am so grateful that you have given me this work and I am grateful to the mother and that you have accepted me and given this work because mother would not give mantra but give work. Then morning before he could send the letter he got an assignment. First work that he has to do. Kill the bugs inside the bed which has been sent to you. Now for a Jain background to kill bugs, how do you do it? So he kept that letter aside. He wrote another letter to Sri He writes, Sir, I think mother does not know. I am a friend, I am a Jain. She may not know about it that you know I am not supposed to kill anything. So please, if this can be conveyed, because I how do I do this? And Shrivindu sends a reply, whatever mother work mother gives, she gives for your progress. <laughs> Take it with that attitude and do the work. <laughs> what does he do now? Now that's evolution. What was mother doing? In one stroke, breaking all the fixed formations so that there can be wide space for the divine to act. This is this what is called word of the master. That you know, it supersedes. Everything else that we may have read in the scripture or understood of it. Because it's the word of the master. Master knows best. Master knows that we have uh, tied the whole thing into a fixed formula. So, and there is another path towards which he, through which he is taking us. So we see this tendency now, man has become even more subtle and refined. What is the need for today? Need for today is not just my soul's salvation. I think more and more youngsters are coming up who are not comfortable just with this idea that this is Maya, this illusion. Sometimes it's hypocritical. Why should I travel all the way in an aircraft business class to America, stay in a comfort hotel and say, you know, basically I have come to say all this is Maya? Do you find it justified? Isn't it paradoxical? If it is Maya, then who is there to tell whom? Who is bound and who is free? These are the questions tomorrow. You know, you can't be freeing me from an illusory, non-existent bondage. If the world is an illusion, my bondage is an illusion. And yet the pin that touches me, pricks me for real. Isn't it? So, because mankind is evolving, it has a new need. What is that new need? I need to understand and integrate this life that I am leading every day with yoga. Tell me a way that while walking, thinking, being with my children, going to school, doing my work, can I do yoga? So you see this trend and tendency already coming up in human nature. And Shubhindu anticipates it. Therefore he starts the synthesis of yoga which is one of his early writings. If you open you know, the page 
what follows is later on but you will see a small inscription um, it's a well known celebrated of course much misunderstood phrase from synthesis of yoga and it's called all life is yoga now he says they, you we cut off life and yoga don't we use the term yo where am i going right now i am practicing yoga what happens after that now is life i must give some time to god and the rest of the time to my ego but now there is a need for wholeness for integration for including even matter and the whole material universe in the process of the journey of yoga so we see shrubindo coming up with this integral yoga and subsequently the supramental yoga in shrubindo's yoga itself we see an range of evolution but before we come to that see how it happens in raj yoga you take up hatha yoga and it becomes a small part in the yoga of the gita you take up raj yogic practice you know there is only one place where shri krishna gives a practice <laughs> concentrate on the breath on the nasika agra bhag you know buruma the must have read about it but becomes a small part it's not the major chunk shobindo comes he takes up and he also takes up the yoga of the upanishad there are some verses in the gita which are straight from the upanishad then shobindo takes up the yoga of the gita and it becomes a part of a still larger synthesis so as we evolve the yoga evolves and it's important to remember it otherwise we will crystallize it there will be no room for self expression you know the same yoga and shobindo would often say in his letters what i write to x applies to x not necessarily to y to somebody who sleeps less eats less i may say eat more sleep more to another person i may say just the opposite eat less sleep less so you see this has become important now otherwise because earlier we used to crystallize and fix thing and they became religion the shivinder and the mother don't want a new religion in their name so they made the yoga so vast it's on a hatha yoga how did mother yesterday someone asked uh, rightly so that in ashram we don't practice the heart yoga exercise if somebody practices fine there are people who go for asana classes it's called asana classes they're not called heart yoga asana class one hour asana class but you need not when mother was asked this she said consciousness is more important so what do you do she said when you're climbing the stair do it consciously now you see how she has made it more readily accessible to all of us imagine all of us have to climb we have to open the car we have to get into the scooter we do countless movements with the hands whether it's eating each of it which is a mudra so we have the classical mudras this way that way but each of this is a mudra isn't it when we pick up glass and drink it what is it? it's a mudra and it can be done unconsciously pick up drink and now i am going for yoga and do my mudra or we can do all this consciously and it becomes a mudra a means of communicating with the divine celebrating the everything can become a dance your walk can become a dance we walk we don't walk we walk, all of us walk but we don't walk consciously no so if you do it consciously then it becomes the body is participating in the yoga 
because we are conscious because we are offering it my walk it starts with beginning of the walk end of the walk and everything else in between as often as one can sitting again we can do it more consciously and then shubhendra takes up every field of life you can can become part of yogi not just that i offer my medical practice to the divine that is there in the yoga of the gita already but can i bring in a new illumination in the field of medicine can i bring in a new illumination in the field of cooking may sound strange but we see there is a tendency even in field like cooking to evolve and make discover new foods a new combinations which would be healthy for your body and mind isn't there a tendency so now see how yoga itself is changing its course and as i said shurbindo's yoga also if you see if you read some of the earlier writings of shurbindo and you read little later you will be wondering if you read the synthesis shurbindo will talk about uh, you know largely it's based on the gita and something still further he brings in the divine shakti toward the end and many people will say okay it's a beautiful combination of vedanta and tantra he himself said that our yoga arrives at the aim of the tantra but through the uh, process of vedanta aim of the tantra is to integrate life material life but through a different route but if you read writings later on post 1926 shrubindo writes the first writing which appeared after 1926 i think in the play they stopped with 1926 24th november you have series of letters which are now they are in the form of a small book the mother anyone conversant with this small little book now very interesting that if you ask somebody within the ashram context which is if you have take one book which will give you in a beach form seed form what shubhendra's yoga is about then you are recommended the mother it used to be the recommendation not synthesis of yoga not the life divine interesting later on we see number of letters of shubhendra where the whole refrain changes he would say open to the mother become receptive to the mother and then of course there is savitri where he says this reading savitri becomes engaging in yoga mother even speaks of that that if you just read savitri it will take you to the yoga of transformation highest stages without the help of a guru he has changed those necessities and needs mother goes still further if you see mother's own conversations after 1960 she will say oh when i read look back at those things which i spoke in 1929 it's nothing because he has so much has gone further she has carried the yoga to what limits so in shubhendra's yoga itself particularly because it's a new yoga it is evolving still evolving but mankind is evolving and as we evolve we discover that for us also what applies at one stage doesn't apply at another stage what applies for me need not apply for another that's why it's very dangerous to give a advice spiritual advice to another person it may work very well with me that i you know um, eat limited food at a limited time and this is okay good things anyways one should practice these things 
but it may not work for another person. So we have to figure out. So it allows for lot of variation in human nature, and that is one of the strengths of Shirobindo's yoga, which needs to be brought out. That it allows for tremendous variation. Each one, in fact, in this yoga, Shirobindo's yoga has his own method of practicing the yoga. Somebody follows this way, another person this way, third person another way. It's so wonderful, interesting, fascinating. So, yoga is not a finished product. Even something, it's still evolving, and it will evolve as mankind evolves. A day will come when children will say, "Oh, I know, I I can tell mother, I can talk to mother, and I am connected with her." And if you try to tell the child, "No, no, that's not the way. The way is you sit like this in this posture." You say, "What are you teaching me, mom? I know it. Mother is real for me." I have heard this from children. I have been very surprised. Children, when you try to tell them, you know, why don't you, let's say, go to the ashram and you know, spend some time. Mom, mother is there. I know. I have a contact with her wherever I am. It doesn't. I don't need to go to the ashram. Now, I am still belong to the school where I must go to the ashram, <laughs> and I love it, and I. Really gain so much from it, but I know people who are, you know, get connected. I'm aware of a small little story where somebody complained to the mother that so and so never comes for your darshan. So mother says, yes, he doesn't need. Actually, the person was trying to complain and put it like that. He see, he doesn't come for darshan days. You know what, mother says, it's not needed. Why? Because I am all the time in him. And he's all the time consciously within me. Eye opener. He was almost a non-descript person in the ashram, just doing everyday banana service, cleaning the bananas and giving. He knew about the time of his death. Literally told it. Look how much we can grow. There are different ways. So this. Journey becomes fascinating. Also, no end point. Very often, people ask, "Okay, what, what, what realizations? Why should you stop with one or two experiences or realizations? Why not the infinite from countless ways? How can we fix a term and a limit to our rendezvous with the infinite?" So it makes us, fills us with the sense of progress and the sense of wonder when there is a. New disclosure of the divine in countless ways in our lives. Otherwise, we had fixed experiences. You sit for meditation. Most people will say, "Ah, I experienced peace. I saw a light." After that, what? Okay, light. देखा अब ज्योतिर ब्रह्म हो गया. वो ब्रह्म है कि ब्रह्म है कि बात नहीं कर रहा हूँ. Light real भी होती है. Real light होती है जो दिखती है. और ऐसी भी lights होती हैं जो misleading होती हैं. मैं उसकी बात ही नहीं कर रहा हूँ. But the point is, why don't you want to experience the divine when you are breathing? When you are suddenly filled with a sense that you are not breathing in ordinary air, but breathing her atmosphere. You know, as like Mother says here in Pondicherry, you cannot live without breathing my atmosphere, physical atmosphere. It's so true. I suppose something similar applies to Delhi. I, I feel it. The difference. I am sure many of us feel. Step out of the ashram zone and see what Delhi is. <laughs> If you want to 
create an illusion in people's mind what Delhi is, just take them straight to the ashram and say stay here for 10 days and go back. What do you describe of Delhi? <laughs> ah, what a peaceful Nagri. <laughs> so this was the idea behind picking up this subject to allow room for the divine to act, to give him space to act. Don't crystallize too much. We should not get stuck to the formulas of the past. Use them if necessary. But the core thing is not the method, but the inner aspiration. That is the core. The truth of surrender rather than just going down like this. If you can do both, wonderful. But if you do the other one, be sure that the inner one is also there. The divine can see through us. Pretensions, shows and shams, he takes away like the gopis who claim to love Krishna but would still wear lajja and sharam. And Krishna is not allowed. Before the divine, you must be just as you are, like a little babe. Isn't it wonderful to experience that? No pretensions. He is not carried away by, you know, how much time we have spent in a temple with bhajans. But he knows that inside what is going on. So yoga is becoming more and more internalized, subjective, touching many spaces simultaneously. Maybe a passing moment in the tram when you casually say, not tram, buses. Oh my God, ma, kya hai situation? Was a moment of yoga. Because we have not registered it, but the Divine Mother has registered. So this is the background. Now if there are any questions, we can take it up. Yes, please. Yes, yes. What do we want the yoga for? See, we often say yoga classes and I am going for yoga classes. Why? If we are going just so that we can be physically healthy, then it's not yoga at all. Exercises make us fit and healthy, it's perfectly fine. Yoga by its nature is union with the divine. There can be no yoga without this aspiration. It can be asanas, it can be exercise, which is good thing, nothing wrong with that. But let's not use the word yoga. Yoga starts with an aspiration for the divine. Then aspiration for the divine itself can take different forms. We may aspire for knowledge, which is an aspect of the divine. We can aspire for love. We can aspire for power, dangerous. We can be having no aspiration, but using yoga as a cloak. To cover an ambition. I want to be yogi. Yogi is good business nowadays, you know. <laughs> I mean, times have changed, no? So if you are a yogi or a, you know, quasi-guru and with a little bit of nice dress, get up. You can, you know, man, it pays. So, you know, that, but that's falsehood, you know, it's fooling oneself. So it's not aspiration. It's an ambition. So we must know the difference between aspiration and ambition. Or sometimes, ah, I'll serve humanity. Serving humanity is serving humanity. It's not yoga, it's philanthropy. It's altruism, very good. It's a good thing for man who is very selfish to become less selfish. It's a very good thing. But it's a preparation for yoga. Yoga starts with an aspiration for the divine. And the greatest of all would be divine for what sake? To get knowledge, to get this, but for the sake of the divine. You know, you have that famous uh, Amir Khusro's 
छाप तिलक सब छीनी मोसे नैना मिलाई के अपनी छब बना के मैं पी के घर गई छब देखी जो पिया की अपनी छब भूल गई दैट इज योगा नाउ लुक इज वी नॉट यूजिंग द वर्ड योगा बट इफ यू आर सेंसिटिव टू योगा यू से वंडरफुल वॉट इज ई सेंग छाप तिलक इज वॉट अवर ईगो पर्सनैलिटी आई हैव ड्रेस्ड माई सेल्फ इन वेरी इट्स एग्जैक्टली वॉट कृष्णा एंड गोपीज थिंग इज I have dressed myself very beautifully, and I am going. Then he says, "No, Kusro, prem me kya hota hai?" He says, "Jo jita, so har gaya." Main kya? Jit, jo jiti, to piya more. Jo hari pi ke sang. It's yoga. He is talking about bhakti yoga, but in a different way. Then you transcend these barriers of language and systems and codes. You see that aspiration of the poet. I will khushro raat suhag ki main kheli pi ke sang. What is that suhag ki raat? I am celebrating my nuptial night with the Lord. What a way! Now turning even the most mundane of actions into a yogic process. Kheli pi ke sang. So what happened after that? He says, "Jeet gayi to piya more." If I win. माई बिलवेड लॉर्ड इज माइंड जो हारी पी के संग हार गई तो मैं पिया की हो गई तो इट्स अन विन सिचुएशन इट्स डिवाइन फॉर द सेक ऑफ द डिवाइन नॉट फॉर एनीथिंग एल्स दट आई मे गेट फ्रॉम हिम नॉट फॉर यू नो ओके देन वेन एवर आई प्रे आई विल गेट दिस गिफ्ट यू सी इट्स ए इन द बिगिनिंग डिवाइन विल गिव यू वट एवर यू आस्क फॉर इमीजिएटली समटाइम्स आफ्टर समाइम यू टेक्स योर रिजोल्यूशन सीरियसली It's okay. Now I'm going to deprive you. Let me see whether you are serious or not. And he doesn't give you. So then he'll play the game. Gives you, doesn't give you. Then you sustain it. Then he will say, "Okay, now next level. I am going to take away something you cherish." Can we say then, "Blessed, O misfortune, blessed art thou, Shubhendu's aphorism, O misfortune." blessed art thou for thou hast made me see the face of my beloved so you see everything becomes a catalyst to yoga and that's why mother says do not start this process unless you are ready to be burned down all barriers of the ego that stand between us and the divine will burn away so if the aspiration in the beginning itself is right it's easy you go through the process but if it's not right if there is a concealed ambition or if one is wanting yoga to have some experiences some people you know okay what experience you had i also want to have some experience yoga is not about having and getting yoga is about giving and forgetting <laughs> if you lose you win that's the whole thing kusro darya prem ka vaki ulti dhar so jo उभरा सो डूब गया जो डूबा सो पार टू लूज योर सेल्फ दिस लिटिल ईगो पर्सनैलिटी विच वी थिंक आ दिस इज सो इंपॉर्टेंट आई हैड दिस एक्सपीरियंस एंड यू नो पीपल टॉक अबाउट इट यू नो वॉट वहां पर मैंने ये थोड़ा एक्सरसाइज किया मुझे क्या हुआ एंड दे स्टक फॉर डिकेट्स ओके फाइन मूव ऑन सो लुक एट दी ब्यूटी ऑफ दिस एस्पिरेशन वेन इट वॉन्ट्स टू the highest aspiration is to give oneself to the divine without limiting him by this that what just to give oneself why 
for the joy of giving oneself. That much, yes. But it comes. It's not that you are giving it for the joy, but you are doing it joyfully. That's why Mother says in our yoga, we don't talk about renunciation. Why? Because if it, if you feel I am renouncing something, divine doesn't like it. You know, even as human beings, would we like if somebody gives us something and says, you know what, it's very dear to me, but I am giving it to you. Any sensible, sensitive human beings say, Vaiya, apne paas rakho. Ye dene ki zirot nahi hai. Aap rakho, main khush hu. Isn't it? Will you take a gift if somebody tells you that, you know what, it, it pains me, but you know what, I mean, uh, you are dear to me, you please take it. What will you do? If human beings with a little development act like this, imagine doing this game with God, how pained he will be. <laughs> he doesn't want that. But if we say it doesn't matter what I have or I do not have, all is yours. Whether you give or take, it's all yours. I just want to have the joy of giving myself more and more and more. And then the only experience you seek is what have I not yet given? Have I not given, have I given my body, have I given my breath, my heartbeats? Always there is something to give. It's not about money. Always there is something to give. So that is the aspiration. It burns like a fire inside. We should feed it. How to feed it? Through, you know, it's a fire. And in a fire you must feed the right fuel. So if you feed desires, it will throw up smoke. If you feed doubts, it will be like a cloud which will make the fire become more and more tepid. If you feed it with passions, they are like strong winds. They take away that. But if you feed into this fire, what is called as love for the divine or you know when we read Sri works, when we sit and go within and take this fire up and up, when we offer our works to the divine, when we offer our joys, our sorrows, all experiences to the divine, then we are feeding this fire without asking for anything in return. Then this fire grows and grows and grows and becomes a mighty blaze. And then of course surrender. Do with me as thou wilt. At one place mother says, those who give uh, those who ask from God, the God, God gives them what they ask, what they have asked for. But those who give themselves, God gives himself and all else that they would need. Only it should not be done with this idea, okay, fine, this is a good idea. No, he gives himself and all that they need.